0: Diving deep into the Red Sox, it's Red Sox Review. Here's Brian Barrett on WEEI.
3: All right, welcome in. We're taking you all the way up until midnight. I just banged out a C4 starburst, so I'm ready to go. That was an absolutely embarrassing performance for the Red Sox once again. And I feel like we continue to say that about this team. They continue to underperform, and they continue to play poorly, and you continue to get bad performances. Sanchez is not supposed to be the second baseman of this team. We all know that. They're dealing with injuries, but that's a terrible play there, and it gives the opportunity for the Guardians to go ahead 7-2. to two. You get out of that inning, you feel like you're still in that game, but no, Sanchez cannot make the play. I don't know what the hell he's doing. You had plenty of time, set your feet, make the throw to Bogarts instead of throwing behind your back. Quite frankly, it's just not good enough right now. And it did shine a light on the fact that again, Haim Bloom's roster is short. I don't know how many times we have to go through this. His roster is not good enough. You think about the guy that is supposed to be the utility man of this team, Christian Arroyo is always hurt. So he would have been the second baseman tonight because Trevor Story is injured, but Arroyo was injured before him, so he's not available. And then the guy, part of the Mookie Betts trade, Jeter Downs, he's not available, of course, because he's not good enough. We've seen Jeter Downs. He's been completely overmatched at the major league level. So you're dealing with a situation where Sanchez is playing second base and he's not a good player. And that's where you're at right now. So it's not all on Sanchez. He should not be playing second base for this team. But that's a basic play. I don't know what you're doing, throwing the ball behind your back, acting like you're Roberto Alomar or something out there. That was a complete joke. But I look at Winkowski tonight, and man, this is now three consecutive bad outings for Wisconsin, for Winkowski, rather. He was atrocious tonight. He absolutely sucked. There's no way around it. He was terrible. You look at Winkowski on the night, you realize that the Guardian swung at 32 pitches tonight against Winkowski, they whiffed at one of them. They swung at 32 pitches. They whiffed at one. That is nearly impossible to do. And now you start to look at this trend with Winkowski. Now, I was optimistic about Winkowski last month because he kept getting a ton of ground ball outs, even though I acknowledged the fact that he wasn't missing a lot of bats. Now it's all catching up to him. You look at the last three outings for Winkowski, 108 swings, 11 whiffs. That's a 10.2% whiff rate. You just cannot live that way. You look at some of the worst guys in the sport, At 17%. This guy's at 10.2% over his last three. If you just take his swinging strike rate, he's last in Major League Baseball in terms of guys that have actually started games this year. That's how bad he is. He had one strikeout tonight, his, his last batter of the night. You start to look at some of these numbers tonight. 15 batted balls, eight of them were hard hit. That means off the bat, 95-plus miles per hour. That's 53.3%. Nick Pavetta's 47.4% hard hit rate is the worst among qualified starters. He was barreled up three times. That's 20%. Jordan Lyle's 11.4% barrel rate is worst among qualified starters, is the worst. As I mentioned, the one striker, that's 5.9%. No qualified starter is south at 12% in the season. The Guardians hit 400 off him tonight. Patrick Corbin's 313 opponents batting average is worst among starters. He had a 15 ERA tonight. The guy was absolutely horrible. The biggest issue for him right now is he can't miss bats. And that was sort of an unprofessional outing with the way that he just approached it. I want to go through some of this tonight and some of the perplexing decisions that he made. And look, maybe part of it's on Ploiecki, et cetera, but I put most of it on the pitcher. So you go to the first inning... He loses Ramirez, and then Naylor singles on a sinker that was in a bad spot. It's up in the zone. It shouldn't be up in the zone like that. comes off his bat, 107 miles an hour. And then this is the one that was perplexing to me in the top of the first inning. Miller singles on a changeup that was down in the zone. Why are you throwing a changeup to a right-handed batter? It makes no sense whatsoever. Why the hell would you do that? Either throw your two-seamer, your sinker, or... Throw your slider. You should not be throwing a changeup to a right-handed hitter. Not to mention the fact that Winkowski's changeup is atrocious to begin with. You look at his changeup on the season; opponents hitting 400 against it, or 417 against it. Righties are hitting 400 against it. I don't know why you would throw a changeup to a right-handed pitcher. It makes no sense. So right then and there, they take a one-nothing lead. I don't know why he decided to throw a changeup there. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't even know why Ploiecki put that sign down either. Why are you throwing a changeup to a right-handed batter? It makes no sense whatsoever. It's idiotic. I don't get it. Why would you do that? Why would you throw a changeup to a right-handed hitter? I don't understand it. It's not as if you have a good changeup to begin with, like you're one of these guys that can throw changeups in any count or something along those lines to any hitter. Your changeup's not good, and you throw one to a right-handed hitter. What are you doing? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. And then we go to the second inning of this game. He got even worse, if you can believe that. He gets Jones to fly out on a sinker that was up in the zone. He got away with that one. Way too many sinkers up in the zone. And then hedges homers off a bad slider that was up in the zone. I mean, it was a horrible slider. His slider was not good at all tonight. And then you go to the... The play that he doesn't even get to the bag. Quant beats Winkowski to the bag. That was inexcusable. And then you go to the top of the third inning. And this is this comes back to this whole idea he cannot put guys away. After he gets Ramirez to ground out Naylor singles, he was ahead 1-2 in that count. It's a double on a slider. This guy fouled off a couple of sliders. He threw a ball with a changeup, and then he doubled on the slider that was middle-middle. So you get ahead of a hitter 1-2. You need to be able to put that guy away, and Winkowski couldn't do it. Then Miller hits a ball right back at Winkowski. He's actually lucky it went off him or they wouldn't have got it out there. Then he hits Jimenez with an 0-2 slider. I mean, that crap's unprofessional. An 0-2 slider, this is supposed to be a control pitcher. Remember, not a big strikeout guy. He's supposed to be a control pitcher. You cannot hit somebody with an 0-2 slider. I'm sorry, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. That is unprofessional. You don't hit guys in an 0-2 count. You don't give up hits when you're ahead of a guy one two. So in the same inning, Naylor singled when he was Winkowski was ahead one two. And then Jimenez, he hits him with an O two slider. And then Nolan, Jones, Homers, four Sieber up in the zone, five nothing, nights over. Go to bed. Put the kids to bed. They're not getting the ninety nine tomorrow. That's where you're at. Winkowski was absolutely atrocious in this game. A lot of the stuff he did tonight, and I get it, he's a young pitcher. A lot of that crap was unprofessional. Hitting a guy in an 0-2 slider, that was not a professional outing. 1-2, get ahead there, give up the hit. And the changeup to a right-handed hitter just made no sense. I mean, it was a bad decision to throw a changeup there. A lot of what he did tonight, quite frankly, was unprofessional. That was a horrible outing from Josh Winkowski when you needed a good one. And this is what I'll say about Winkowski: I told you, I was... Enthusiastic about his potential because he showed right away that he could get a ton of ground balls. But the swing and miss stuff is just not there. I mean, he came into tonight, and this number is going to go down with a 16.3% strikeout rate. At the AAA level, he was at nearly 26%. So the stuff is not playing at the major league level like it did at the minor league level. We're not seeing the swing and miss stuff like we saw at the minor league level with Winkowski. And then the other thing I'd say is this. Remember what Josh Winkowski said after the outing that he had against the Yankees? Where he wasn't good. He walked five guys and he had three swings and misses. So he had the audacity after that game when he walked more guys than the actual amount of swings and misses he got. He had the audacity to say, it just felt like another major league lineup to me. Because Judge and Rizzo were giving the night off. They were coming back from injuries. Ever since that point, this guy has completely sucked. So I don't know if he got too high in himself, he got too confident in himself, and I know he just came back from COVID, but he was absolutely atrocious tonight. That outing was unprofessional. There was no way around it. All seven ninety three seven. the number. Brian Barry taking you all the way up until midnight. So if you want to hear from the manager, we'll get to that in just a little bit. He's about to talk to the media after this, and I'm sure Cora is going to be happy after this game. He's just complaining about the defense a couple of days ago. He was happy with the effort. Yesterday, and then you get that crap from Sanchez. I mean, it's just unacceptable. What are you doing? Set your feet, make a throw. Don't throw the damn ball behind your back. You had plenty of time to make the play. It's inexcusable crap. But I also want to get into this. So I'm just looking at this recent stretch for Heimblum. And I don't understand how, over the past couple of years, he continues to make the Major League roster worse. And we have proof that these big trades that he's making are, are not working. And I'm wondering from you at 617 779 7937 If the Red Sox decide to sell off pieces, do you trust Hein Bloom to actually get a good return? Because I don't. I'll tell you why next here in EEI.
0: T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
2: Um, I
4: think with Josh, like every, like, the pitches were blending, right? Velocity wise. He didn't have his good fastball. The split was 88, 89, the cutter, the slider, everything was blending uh, together. And uh, when that happens, you know, there's no swing and misses. I think it was only <clears throat> one, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, they put the ball in play. We put ourselves in a bad position, too. You know, we. We walk Ramirez with two outs, then we give up an 0-2 uh, base hit, right? And they score one. Then we hit Jimenez on an 0-2 pitch with two outs, and then they hit the homer. So, you know, um, you know we got to finish at bats like we talk about finishing games, right? When it seems like, you know, during this stretch, there's a lot of two-out hits or walks, you know, one, two, and they work the count, and they, they ended up walking. So we got to do a better job.
5: How with this guy?
4: With uh, with us? I mean, um, it's hard to, to, to play from behind. It, it's very hard. I mean, it's hard when, when you have your big boys. So uh, you know, we just got to make sure we, we, we keep the game in check in the, in the first part of the game and uh, just keep grinding at bat, keep putting at bats, and then see what happens.
6: Would
4: you like the more conventional lead from Yomar that club? That's a tough one right there. I think he just straight out there and it's just... His instincts, right? If he goes like this, he probably doesn't get it there. So, uh, I mean, they—I know that for a fact. You know, like when you're taking ground balls, you rehearse all that stuff. You know, it's kind of like—I don't want to say it's a desperation, desperation move, but when you're full extension that way, the only way you can actually do it is that way. So, I don't mind that. I think a turning point is both you know. I mean, it's one of those that you trust the instincts, right? Um, He was flat-footed and he saw it, and um, you know he he saw the opening and he took a chance. Uh, It's one of those that you see the game and where we at five-two, whatever. But you can't question him. (laughs) You know, he's one of our best base runners, and his instincts are that good. And you know, he was out by, by by inches, right? But well, he, saw, he saw what happened out there. So. I wasn't second-guessing as much as, you know, big difference yeah. between five and Oh, yeah, and I mean, that, yeah. 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 that too, yeah, five, third, second and third, and two outs. So, you know, it's, it, it's, you know we're one swing away from tying the game. Um, the guy made a great throw. He um, just made a great tag and, you know, just got bogey. But uh, just a all-around great baseball player, right? The, the runner sees him flat-footed, he makes a great throw, and the catcher makes a, a great tag. Yeah, we were talking about it. Um, much better, driving the ball to right center, more aggressive, and kind of like seems like he's catching up with the fastball, so those are good signs. Is it different for a lot of Cienega, like, shot to start a game? and just He's never started before. It kind of, is, it, is it a different look at all? I just prepare. I mean, uh, he went three. I think uh, they play with the score, right? Uh, they got the big lead, and they stretch him out until the end. You know, whatever he had left. It was forty seven pitches. Usually you don't you don't see that. And then they did what they did. The lefty did a good job against us and kept us uh kept us in check. All
3: right, that was Alex score after the game. If you want to react to anything the manager said, you certainly can. 617 779 seven ninety three seven the number. Yeah, he's talking about Winkowski in there as well. He didn't have an issue with the Sanchez play, but the Winkowski start was just it's bad going forward because if you look at most of these young kids that have come up for the Red Sox, and look, a lot of them were not supposed to be up this year, but most of them have looked completely overmatched and not ready for the moment, with the exception, quite frankly, of Cutter Crawford. Winkowski has been bad. Siebold now he's injured, but he was absolutely atrocious. That guy was scared to pitch against the New York Yankees. You could see it. He was nibbling left and right in that particular outing. And Bayo has not been good since he came up. Now, maybe he gets another opportunity, which he will on Friday. He's better in that one, but the reality is right now, in terms of you thought entering the season you may have some depth at the minor league level as it pertains to your pitching staff. You don't. Winkowski's not good enough right now. Bayo's not good enough right now. Seabolt's not good enough right now. The only guy that's good enough right now is Cutter Crawford. He's the only guy that pitches with any sort of conviction whatsoever. So right now, in terms of the reinforcements you thought you maybe had at the minor league level, you don't have them right now. That's just the reality of where you're at. And if Nathan Evaldi pitches poorly tomorrow, this team is completely porked because then what do you really have as it pertains to your rotation? You're still waiting on Waka. He's throwing a sim game this weekend, and then maybe he goes on a rehab outing. Rich Hill's still not back from the injured list either, and this is part of the roster construction issues with Heim Bloom. You went after a 43-year-old in Rich Hill. You went after Michael Walker. that's always injured. Instead of going out and say, let's act like the Boston Red Sox and go after a guy like Carlos Rodon, who is an absolute stud, take a flyer on a guy like that, instead of going after these guys that are older and the reason they're not expensive is because they're older or they're injured in the case of Michael Walker, And what do you know with Michael Walker, He's injured again. It brings me back to the whole idea of the James Paxton situation. That to me, okay, fine. You want to take a flyer and a guy like that, but make sure he got something for this year. How about a Corey Kluber who's in there in Tampa who's been unbelievable for them. Every time he pitches against the Red Sox, he shuts them down. That guy was available as well. And you just look at this stuff with Hein Bloom and it just gets to the point where it's aggravating for me when I look at what has been sent out from this organization and what has been brought in. So I just look at a couple of things here. Let's start with this one. Andrew Bennett So I have never been the biggest Andrew Benintendi fan. I'm okay if you move on from him, okay? Now, he hits for average. If you look at it, the past two seasons since he left the Red Sox, he's sitting 294, pretty good, okay? During that stretch, eight defensive runs save, pretty good. He's a pretty good left fielder, and he hits for average. He's never going to hit for power, and he made that mistake when you remember when he, like, bulked up and he didn't hit for power whatsoever. But here's the reality. These are the results, because I didn't feel like this team needed some sort of big-time Rebuild. So you would have liked to get somebody, when you traded Benintendi prior to last season, you would have liked to get somebody that, I don't know, could contribute to a big league team. Well, you haven't had that if you look at it. So Winkowski, and this number is going to go down because he was piss poor today. He had a 15 ERA in this game. Winkowski, since joining the Red Sox this year, of course, he was at the minor league level, 0.3 wins above replacement. Franchi Cordero, minus 0.8 wins above replacement since joining the Boston Red Sox. Those are the two guys, right, in the trade for Ben Benintendi. Benintendi is four wins above replacement. Okay, so if you take that, that's a 4.5 loss in terms of wins above replacement. Then we go to Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, since being traded from the Boston Red Sox, is 10 wins above replacement. Verdugo's 4.3 wins above replacement. Downs, who we've seen lately, completely overmatched. He's striking out north of 52% of the time since coming up to the big leagues. Minus 0.3 war in a couple of games. That's how bad he's been. Wong is 0.3 wins above replacement in his 11 games as a big league player. And by the way, he's not going to be a good player. He's 26 years old. He may be a backup catcher, but he's 26. That's the return for the Mookie Betts trade. So if you look at that, it's a 5.7 loss. So overall, you're looking at in terms of the Benintendi trade and the Mookie trade. Since those guys have been moved for the players you got back, 10.2 wins above replacement you have lost in the aggregate with those two trades. So I just look at this whole idea of what's going on at the trading deadline. How can you trust this guy to make a big move? The two moves that you made, Mookie Betts and Benintendi, you sent these guys out. The return is not nearly enough. And I'm not telling you for Verdugo sucks, but he's not a great player. So, I just look at this. How can you trust Hein Bloom to make any sort of move at the deadline that's going to be good? Okay, congratulations. He got Pavetta for Heath Embry and Brandon Workman. You took advantage of a bad ownership group at the time that was desperate. They wanted to win badly, and they made a dumb move because the GM was on thin ice and eventually he would lose his job. That's where they were at. Remember, Dave Dombrowski is now running that team. So, you took advantage of a bad situation. Hein Bloom deserves credit for that. He deserves credit for some of the moves he made on the periphery. Garrett Whitlock, Rule Five draft, John Triber nobody knew who the hell that guy was. He deserves some credit for that. But these big moves that he's made—they have sucked. There's no way around it. The Benintendi trade, right now, what we know, and maybe Winkowski turns it around in the coming weeks here or the couple, the coming years. But in terms of the past couple of years, when I felt like this team was going to be trying to win a World Series. It has not been nearly good enough. You essentially, in terms of trying to win a World Series, you've been in the negative replacing Andrew Benintendi. You've been way in the negative replacing Mookie Betts. So I just never felt like this had to be this long-term rebuild with the guys that you had on the roster. And Hein Blum, appears he is gung-ho on turning it into that. How did you not act like this team had an opportunity to win a World Series this year with a couple of tweaks? You didn't act that way, and that's what is so aggravating about this team. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven the number. Let's get to Ken. He's in California. Hey Ken. Hey Brian. Hey.
5: Uh yeah, I just I just wondered if if, if you could uh, ask Kyle Bloom how it feels to be in back at the Baltimore Orioles. Because that's where you are right now. A half a game at back of the Baltimore yep. Orioles, who are in a complete rebuild. Okay. And here's the other thing. Today, okay, Hunter Renfro, last three games, three home runs. 17 home runs and 36 RBIs. Do you have an outfielder that has that? No, and no. here's the
3: problem with that, Ken. Outfielder. Here's the problem with that. If you weren't going to sign Renfro long-term, I don't have an issue with it. We're all complaining about Renfro during the postseason. But here's the problem I have with the Renfro situation. is okay, great. You got Alec Benellis back, and he's going to be a prospect long-term. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with taking Jackie's money and buying the prospect. But here's the thing that I'm not okay with. How the hell did you not get an everyday outfielder if you were moving on from Renfro? He played everyday few last year in right field. How did you not get an everyday outfielder? That to me is front office malpractice.
5: And, and the other thing is, who would you rather have as your GM? This guy or Dave Dombrowski? Dombrowski.
3: Dombrowski. Oh, I'm it. telling you, Dombrowski. I would rather have Dombrowski.
5: He would have added to this team and they would have been a contender. Except this guy has subtracted. You think Dombrowski would have let Schwarber go? I don't think so.
3: No, and look, you can say that the, the, the goal of the organization at that time was trying to rebuild. Here's the reality of what happened. The ownership group blamed Dave Dombrowski for stuff that he didn't do. That's the problem. Okay, Dave Dombrowski got way too much of the blame after what happened in 19. The guy wins the division every year. They win the World Series. They have one bad season. They fire the guy. They overreacted. That's what happened.
5: Now, how long do you think it's going to be that they're going to win a World Series with this guy at the helm?
3: I don't know if he wants to, Ken, to be honest with you. How, I don't know if he wants to. Maybe he wants to win in 2026 when it's all his prospects, but I don't think he's motivated to win one in the next couple of years. How could he be? Look at the damn roster. Yeah. Look at the guys he lets go. How could he be trying to win a World Series right now? He's not. There's no way. He's not trying to yeah. win a World Series right now. I don't know. And, Ken, I appreciate the call. I don't know how we can argue that point. How can anybody in their right mind tell me that Heimblum was trying to win a World Series in 2022? He has said on multiple occasions, we don't want to do anything that affects us in the long term. That's what he says all the time. He didn't treat this team like a team that was two wins away from the World Series. And that is what is so aggravating to me. And I can't imagine what it feels like for the guys in the clubhouse. Devers, Bogarts, the guy managing the team, Alex Cora. J.D. Martinez, who doesn't know if he's going to be traded in the next couple of days or so. And don't give me this crap about, well, they get approved, they're worth investing in. No, you know what happened? The guy running the team didn't address first base in the offseason. The Red Sox have had legitimately, by the numbers, the worst defensive first base situation over the past two seasons. Minus 23 defensive runs saved. Nobody's even close to them. In fact, the team that is 29th, the Tigers, are closer to the team that's 23rd than the Red Sox. They don't hit. Francia Cordero can't hit. Bobby Dalback can't hit. We're at the point now where Christian Vasquez is playing first base because he needs his bat in the lineup. He's your everyday catcher, so you're playing him at first base some of the times. That's where you're at. And then the bullpen, the one guy you go out and really put money into is Deekman. The two guys that he's given money to in the bullpen are Matt Barnes and Deekman. These are guys that are supposed to help you win? Really? I mean, come on. It's a joke. Let's get to Matt in Connecticut. Hey, Matt.
1: Hey yeah, how's it going, Brian? Yeah, this is the third game in a row where I just come and I'm just so disappointed in this team. I just this team is just not just doesn't show itself as being major league material. It's just so depressing, you know. Um, and 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 it, the thing that gets me is over the games that I've been to, it's these defensive mistakes, you know, these mental defensive mistakes that just keep happening. And just as a I mean, I know you mentioned the Sanchez where he threw behind his back and Core didn't have a problem with that, but uh, one of the things I want to point out is Sourmore is pitching in the sixth inning. Um, Ramirez hits this little dribbler down third base and there's just no situational awareness. He doesn't even go after the ball, and Dahlbeck doesn't want to go after the ball because he's worried about the guy at second coming to third. So he's telling murr to go after the ball, and nobody's going after the ball. Yeah, I mean, well, and you know like what, that, Matt,
3: this, this is this is aggravated. well, and Matt, this is part of the issue with the roster. Bobby Dahlbeck, I get he came up as a third baseman, but Christian Vasquez is playing first today. And look, some of this has to do with injuries. But Duran's playing in the outfield at times, and Duran's absolutely horrific out there. He's one of the worst defensive outfielders I have ever seen. The numbers would tell you that. He's minus five defensive run saves. Franchi Cordero was not a first baseman entering the season. Franchi is playing outfield at the minor league level, and then the Red Sox realize, okay, Travis Shaw sucks. He he can't hit. It looks like he's swinging a bat underwater. So Bobby Dalback also sucks, which we all knew and they need to get somebody that can hit from the left side. So they think, okay, since Cassis isn't ready yet, Franchi's the guy, and they try to turn him him into a first baseman. He's been terrible there. They've taken Arroyo and tried to make him an outfielder. Arroyo has minus five defensive run saves in right field, and he's played 108 innings. So they're playing all these guys out of position. It's the Boston Red Sox.
1: Right, and that's the other thing that I find aggravating is I I don't see – Hein Bloom, who are these people that he brought in? I mean, we have so many injuries, and you bring up the injuries, but we don't even have any secondary players that can play the game. It's, I, you know, it was so exciting to see David Ortiz and the tribute to David Ortiz, but then you get that excitement at the beginning of the game, and then you see how they're playing and what we have on the field, and it's just how far they've fallen. And yeah. they're in last place, and they deserve to be.
3: Yeah, it's an absolute joke, Matt. I appreciate the call. The other thing that is just so aggravating to me is how much they're putting into the farm system and into the prospects and all this stuff about rebuilding. I get it. It's great that you drafted Marcelo Mayer with a fourth overall pick. It's great that Nick York's an absolute stud. I acknowledge all that stuff. Like, you need to rebuild the farm system. I get that. But at the same time, you have to emphasize the major league team as well. And it feels like the major league team for the current season for 2022 was completely put on the back burner. And that shouldn't happen. (laughs) It's like they acted as if they sucked last year. They acted like they were a mediocre team that didn't make it to the postseason. No, you were legitimately two wins away from a World Series. Like, this actually happened. We watched this team go out to a 2-1 series lead on the Astros. We watched this team beat the Tampa Bay Rays in the postseason. And instead of giving the manager... And the core group of players, Devers, J.D., Bogarts, etc., the necessary pieces to surround them with, they ignored it. I don't understand how the guy running the team didn't do more in the offseason. That, to me, is just completely malpractice, and it's unforgiving. And now we're talking about maybe selling off at the trading deadline. Moving on from guys like JD Martinez, you expect he's gonna get a good return based on these based on the Mookie trade, based on the Benintendi trade? You think this guy's gonna pull off a good trade for JD? Oh great. We'll get some prospect from the Mets that sucks. Oh great. I can't wait to move on from JD. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven the number. Brian Barry taking you up until midnight. So if you want to weigh in the game tonight, you certainly can. The issues with this team right now, and do you want Heimbloom to sell? Do you trust him to actually have the ability to sell and get good stuff back in return? I don't. Plus, I'll get into one other big issue with this team coming up in just a little bit here on EEI.
6: Gresh and Keith, weekdays 10 to 2. Now,
3: here's what's trending on WEEI. The trending now is brought to you by Nissan. You deserve a car that thrills you, and Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill for yourself. Shop your local Nissan store and NissanUSA.com today. Well, the Red Sox fell again tonight. They lose eight to three to the Guardians. They were on a five-game winning streak. They broke that up last night, but what do you know? They lose again tonight. The bottom line is Josh Winkowski absolutely sucked. He got one swing and miss. 32 swings, one whiff. That is absolutely atrocious. That is like very difficult to do. To only get one think about that. 32 swings. He got one swing and miss. That's nearly impossible to do. That's how bad he was tonight. And the outing in particular was just unprofessional. Couldn't cover first base on the Quan single there. I mean, that should have been an easy out. He's throwing a right-handed hitter, a changeup. It makes no sense whatsoever. He was absolutely atrocious. Anyway, sorry, this is a trending update. I'm getting sidetracked here. The Sox and the Guardians play the third of their four-game set on Wednesday night at Fenway. 7-10 first pitch across the Shaws and Star Market. WEI Red Sox Network. Shaws and Star Market perfecting the Art of Fresh. You can tune in to the Visit Massachusetts pregame show at 610. That's sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Start your Massachusetts summer adventure at visitma.com. Nate Evaldi gets the start in that one. Velocity was way down last week. We'll see what Nate's got tomorrow. Meanwhile, ESPN's Jeff Passan reports rival executives do not expect the Red Sox to move on from Xander Bogarts at the deadline, even if they decide to trade off players they got to make him an offer then I mean if you're not going to trade him at the deadline well then you got to make him an offer because then he's going to walk at the end of the season he's going to opt out so you got to go back to Bogarts and start negotiating again bottom line I don't know how you ignore that at this point in time and Tom Brady has a new toy Adam Schefter the first to report today Julio Jones signing a one-year deal with the Bucks. that's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com all right, Brian Barrett taking you up to midnight, 617 nine seven ninety three seven. the number if you want to weigh in. As the Red Sox go down tonight, 8-3, to and they are now in last place. They are behind the Baltimore Orioles in the American League. Something I never thought I would say this season, that the Red Sox would actually be behind the Baltimore Orioles in the standings. Just flat-out embarrassing, and it should be embarrassing for the organization from top to bottom, from ownership to the guy running the front office in Hein Bloom who appeared to be asleep at the wheel. And I don't even know if he was asleep at the wheel. I just feel like he probably just didn't want to do anything. I mean, that's the reality of where we're at right now as it pertains to Bloom. How could you argue that he didn't want to do something when he essentially, the only real moves he made in the offseason was getting Xander Bogart's replacement. That's all he really did. Hey, let me go get Xander's replacement in Trevor Story. That's it. I mean, that's pretty much all the guy did. You look at it, too. I chatted with Buster Only about two weeks ago on the pregame show. And I was talking about the first base situation with him because the Red Sox, by the numbers, have had the worst first base situation over the past two seasons. And he brought up the fact that there was some feeling that maybe the Red Sox would go after a guy like Carlos Santana. And not to say that Carlos Santana is having this incredible season or anything along those lines, but he's had a relatively decent impact on that Mariners team. Since Carlos Santana was traded over to the Seattle Mariners, They now have a 17-4 and record. And I'm not telling you it's all because of him, but the guy certainly does have an impact in the clubhouse, et cetera. And just getting a guy like that essentially tells you, oh, hey, we're actually going for it. We're actually trying to win here, and that's exactly sort of the boost. He's not even playing that great. It's just the fact that a front office went after a guy that is a professional first baseman. The Red Sox needed a professional first baseman, for the past two seasons, and they still have not addressed it, and to me, that's just complete malpractice. Now, one of the things that I found interesting today is Jeff Passan had a write-up today for ESPN Plus. It's behind the paywall. If you don't have it, I'll give you some of the big nuggets here. So, Passan writes that since the Fourth of July, the Red Sox were 45 and 35 and occupied second place in the AL East. They've been the worst team in baseball since they're. <laughs> 4 seed, which is really bad, and they've been outscored 138-65. to 65. That was, of course, before tonight's game. He goes on to say, Even though the Red Sox and their chief baseball officer, Bloom, runs the team with a value-oriented approach, yeah, I'd say, combine the Red Sox' place of the standings with their chances in the postseason against better and more talented teams with their injured list, which is longer than a CVS receipt, and the impetus to sell is clear and strong. The possibility has been percolating recently and one person with the red Sox, when i asked during the all-star break about whether dumping is an option said quote let's see how we do against toronto cleveland and milwaukee well the blue jays swept the red Sox in the first series outscoring them 40 to 10 if the guardians win the next two after boston won the opener they won one of them opposing executives expect bloom to be open for business what that looks like is the question designated hitter jd martinez might be the best hitter available and someone who makes all sorts of sense for the New York Mets. Teams could raid Boston's IL with Kike Hernandez on the men from a hip injury. On the pitching side, adding right hander Nathan and would be a no-brainer. He'd have no shortage of shooter, suitors, rather. There likely also would be options for Michael Waka coming back from a shoulder injury. We don't know when he's coming back. Matt Strom, etc. He did say that rival executives anticipate that even if Boston unloads a half dozen players, Bogarts, the star 29-year-old shortstop, wouldn't be among them. So here's the thing that I don't understand about this. So first of all, let's just get to this for a second. The reason the Red Sox are even contemplating sell mode is because Bloom sat on his ass and did absolutely nothing in the offseason. He got Jake Walkman, Jake Diekman, who has the worst walk rate in Major League Baseball, and he got the replacement for Xander Bogarts. That's all he did. Those are the moves that he made in the offseason. Congratulations, great find with Schreiber. That's one piece. But you didn't treat this like... They had an opportunity to win the World Series. You disrespected the guys in the clubhouse. You disrespected the manager of the team by not treating them like they accomplished something last year. It's unforgivable. It was malpracticed by Bloom. So the reason we're even having that conversation is because Bloom sucked at his job of the offseason. He didn't try to win with the 2022 team. He didn't. There's no way you can convince me he actually tried to win with the 2022 team. So, A, that's why we're here. B, as we get to the Bogart situation, this is what I would ask. Why wouldn't, okay, so if, and I'm, I told you, I would like Bogarts to be around, but if I'm going from the Bloom thing here, I don't believe that Bloom's going to re-sign Xander Bogarts. So if you just look at it and you add the pieces together, in the off season, Bogarts is offered one extra year at $30 million. So on an annual average basis, that means he's making less money than Trevor Stewart. That is disrespectful to Xander Bogarts. You're spitting in his face. It's unbecoming of an organization like the Red Sox to make that type of offer to a two-time champion. Okay, that's all well and good. That's all established here. But here's the—I shouldn't say that's well and good. That's established. Okay, so if that's the case, why would Heinblum hold on to Xander Bogarts except for PR? That's the only reason, right? The organization would hold on to Bogarts for what? Because at the trading deadline, if you're selling— Bogarts would fetch you the biggest return out of all your players because he's an absolute stud. So why would they be holding on to Xander Bogarts if they're not going to sign him in the offseason? That, to me, is the perplexing one. And by the way, if I'm Bogarts, I'd be like, "Uh, yeah, hell yeah, get me out of here. You slap me in the face of the offseason. I can go to a contender and help a team win, a team that actually wants me. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll waive my no trade. (laughs) He's got all the power. He's got all the leverage. He's got the no trade. So I just feel like that to me is weird. That Heim Bloom would hold on to Xander Bogarts if we know he's not going to reside him in the offseason. 779 nine, seven eighty three seven the number. And like I've said on multiple occasions, I think this team should be buying. They still have a relatively pretty good core, and Heim Bloom just screwed it all up. So I feel like some pressure has got to be put on Heim Bloom. Why aren't we putting the same pressure on Heim Bloom that everybody puts on all these teams in the town? Heim Bloom screwed it up. It's your mess to fix. You screwed this up. You had a team that was two wins away from a World Series. You screwed it up. You didn't get a legitimate starter. You didn't get legitimate help in the bullpen. You ignored the first base situation. And the stud that the Schwarber guy, the absolute stud you had, you got for your 18th prospect, you didn't keep him. You weren't interested in keeping him. So all those things are on high and bloom. So why don't we hold him accountable like we hold athletes accountable, like we hold coaches accountable? You screwed up. Fix it. That's what you're supposed to do. The Celtics were horrible in the first half of the season last year. Okay, fix it. They did. They turned their season around. That was on the players. That was on Ime Doka getting through to the guys. They needed to turn it around. This team needs a turnaround. And the guy that screwed it up is Heimblum, and he should be the one held accountable to fix it. And instead, all we're reading about is this team selling off because he screwed them. He screwed them. There's no way around it. 617 779 seven ninety three seven. The number. Let's get to Connor and selfie. Hey Connor.
7: Hey, how are you, brother? Uh, I was at the game tonight, uh, sitting by the pesky pole, and <laughs> I was with a friend of mine from uh, from Cleveland, actually visiting me. And uh, I was looking at the lineup for Cleveland. I, I kept saying, "Who the hell are these dial tone guys? I like, had never heard of these guys before. Uh, you know, I like, did you, can these guys play? What? Are, how? How are you beating us?" you know, in the division or, or whatnot and how are you how's your record better? And then I go turn around and look at our lineup but I don't recognize any of these guys. I'm like, we have a chance about lineup at this point. Like we we honestly, we have three ball players in the game. Pretty much did nothing. I know Xander had a, maybe had a, a double or something. Yeah like he went, went off the wall RBI. Yeah, he went off the wall and then but but when you look at their players, their big guys didn't really do anything. So I'm wondering at our own ballpark, how do you figure that we just get beat so bad when we know the wall? And, and, and it kind of speaks to is Cora messing up the outfield here? I know we talked about uh, Durant, who wants to play. You know, well, is is Duran is Duran done for as well? I don't want to you know bring. Up I mean, Duran is legitimately
3: one. one of the worst outfielders I've ever seen in my life. He looks like if a cat I, had his whiskers cut off. The guy has no idea where he's going.
7: I watched that, well, we all watched that—that that fly ball that went four thousand feet over behind his back. And you know, we don't talk about that one, but I just wonder what at we what always point talk does about this that change? At, yeah, well, <laughs> it brings us joy, doesn't it? But at, at what point does it change? And do you have any, uh, you know, conceivable ideas to how this will go going forward? Thanks for the call.
3: Yeah, fair enough, Connor. I appreciate the call, my friend. So, a couple of things. First of all, Kike Hernandez—that injury killed you because Kike Hernandez, despite the fact that he was not hitting, he still has 18 runs saved in center field over the past two seasons. That's second in all of Major League Baseball. And remember, he wasn't playing every day at center field to begin last year. So that's obviously a big miss, not having him out there. So that means Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to play a lot more because you don't have enough guys that can actually play in the outfield and hit. So that's why I keep coming back to the Schwarber thing. If you're sacrificing defense anyway, guys like Duran are playing out there. You're taking Arroyo out there. He's minus five defensive run saved at right field. So if you're sacrificing defense to begin with, why not just bring back Schwarber, who is a perfect fit for this lineup? But I just look at the outfield right now. You don't have a lot of good guys to put out there. Ref Snyder's fine. I like Ref Snyder. But Duran gives you nothing defensively. He's atrocious. He actually takes things away from you. He's not hitting right now. He's hitting well over 200 this month, and his strikeout rate is 33% in the month of July. So he's not giving you anything offensively. What's the point of playing him? The dude absolutely sucks. If he's not hitting, he sucks because he can't play in the field. So there's just not a lot of options out there for Alex Cora. And this goes back to the roster building in the offseason. My whole idea with the Jackie Bradley Jr. trade is I was fine with it because at first I thought it was a big market move because you bought the prospect, right? You took on the money from Jackie, which was more than Renfro. So you're saying, hey, we wanted that prospect. We identified him from the Brewers. Alex Pinellas, he was the third-round draft pick a couple of years ago out of Louisville. We like him. Okay, fine. But I thought they were going to get another outfielder. (laughs) I thought they were going to get a fourth outfielder. They never did that. They never got another outfielder. I thought Jackie, I should say, was going to be the fourth outfielder. They get another guy. They were in on Suzuki. Not really. He goes to the Cubs. I thought they were getting another outfielder. I thought that's what the whole plan was. So all you did was essentially get the prospect. Jackie's been fine in the field. I mean, this isn't supposed to be an indictment on Jackie. But why the hell didn't you address that? This Again, it comes back to this whole thing of how can anybody think that Bloom wanted to win in 2022? He didn't. And I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to win after being two wins away from a World Series. Wouldn't you be trying to go all in to try to get one of those trophies? Because who knows what the future holds. I go back through it all the time. The 16 Red Sox prospect list where they were considered to be one of the best farm systems in the sport. Number one was Johan Mankata. Number five was Michael Kopak. The best resource that those guys had for you was getting you Chris Sale. Those guys are not great major league players. Kopak is always hurt and Mankata sucks. Some of the other guys that were in the top 20 of that group, the Pat Lights of the world, nothing against him, great media guy, but not exactly a unbelievable player for the Red Sox organization. Devin Marrero was in the top 15. Most of these guys don't make it. That's the reality of how this sort of stuff plays itself out. Most guys don't make it. So when you have a chance to win, when you have a core that was two wins away from the World Series, it is complete malpractice. And quite frankly, I think it's disrespectful not only to the players, to the manager, I think it's disrespectful to the fan base that they didn't try to win in 2022. They were saying, ah, oh, let's see what we got with these guys. You should have given them more help. That, to me, is unforgivable. Let's get to Matt Newton. Hey, Matt.
6: Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. Um, listen, I think ownership has got to be kicking themselves because of their decision to get rid of Dombrowski. I think if he was here, we'd be in a completely different situation. Heim Bloom has proven that he does not know how to manage a major league team. He has all these issues that he just ignores. Like you said, he just doesn't think first base is a position that needs to be dealt with. And I think you're right. It is disrespectful to all these people who, they they were, I love the word you're using, malpractice. I mean, he's, I think, is way in over his head. I think it's going to come back to bite him because I think this team is, is close to a revolt. Uh, I mean, it does not look good.
3: Yeah, I really do wonder, Matt, what the impact is going to be on the clubhouse after the trading deadline. He's played a really dangerous game here. The fact, the way that he disrespects the stars Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers—from a contractual standpoint, you have one of the best tacticians in the sport in Alex Cora. What do you? What's the point of having him here if you're doing this crap? I mean, it's an absolute joke, and, Matt. Know. And think about this too: like Bloom was taking his victory laps last year. The organization was his too. See, it all worked at the trading deadline. You know why it worked? Because Alex Cora was taking starters and using them out of the bullpen at the end of the season, not even in the playoffs. Remember who had the walk-off curveball to strike out Juan Soto to clinch the playoff spot? It was Nick Pavetta, who's a starter. So them taking the damn victory lap. Stop with that crap. Get the hell out of here with that. Heimblum's resume as a Red Sox executive is not good. I mean, let's be real about that.
6: It's a joke. And I don't think... It's, it's not going to get any better, especially with what who they have. But that's all I had to say, Brian. Have a good night.
3: Right, you too, Matt. It just seems like he is not trying to win now. And I don't understand why. I really don't. Is this like an ego thing where he wants to just win with his players? I just feel like he doesn't really understand the market. And <laughs> does he not realize people love Bogarts? Does he not realize people love Devers? and you just disrespected both of those guys in less than four months. How do you do that? How can you do that? It's incredible to me. 617 nine seven eighty three seven the number. Brian Barrett with you. We, we will get into one other issue with this team in a second right here on EI. All right, Brian Barrett with you. This Red Sox team continues to struggle, and... They could have used a life raft from the guy running the team, but he doesn't care. He does not care. He does not care about winning in 2022. He doesn't. I mean, if he cared, he would have already made moves. If he cared about winning in 2022, he would have done something in the offseason, but he doesn't. He's said multiple times, he doesn't want to do something that affects the long-term future of the organization. So he's not gung-ho on winning this year. And the guy told you a couple of weeks ago on the Greg Hill Show, he gets more concerned about missing on under-the-radar guys than the Schwarber thing. He was asked about What's it like not having Schwarber after you had him here? And he referenced, well, it hurts me more when we miss on under-the-radar guys. Really? Well, it, that's not for us. The guy has 31 home runs. We miss having Schwarber here. Let's get to Zach. He's in a car. What's up, Zach? Yeah,
7: hey. Um, so, because uh, I'm in the car, I'll just ask a question and then hop off. Uh, I saw a quote, I think it was from, like, Sam Kennedy or somebody in management. Basically, said, the goal for this season is still to make the postseason. <laughs> Um, in their minds, how do you think they plan on that happening? Is that like the returning players suddenly putting all the pieces together? Is that putting a team together at the trade deadline, or is that just like total lip service so fans don't totally give up on the year?
3: Lip service, Zach. I think.
7: <laughs> yeah, that's sad. I mean, I can think of some. I'm moves sure they the want to because they're gonna, to, uh, Zach.
3: Time. I'm sure they want to because they're gonna make more money. But they already dug themselves this hole because the lack of accountability they had to try to build a real team in the off season. So they're saying that, yeah, I'm sure they would. They try to, like, down – remember last year how exciting it was to go to the ballpark, all the attention on the Red Sox, the playoff race and all that? So I'm sure they want that. I'm sure they want people at the ballpark and all that. So they're just saying that type of stuff. But they're not going to make any sort of big move at the trading deadline to try to help this team. They didn't do it in the offseason. They're not going to do it now. I don't buy into it whatsoever.
7: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I can see, you know, if you bring in, like, an Ian Happ and a reliever from the Cubs – bring in a decent first baseman somewhere. You get the returning players at the, you know, uh, you know, Rafi and, and Trevor Story and Kike. Suddenly you have a semi competent baseball team. And Zach, Zach hold on. Let me, really let me stop
3: happening. you for a second. I agree with you. Yeah. That's what I would do because I believe these guys deserve an opportunity to try to win, but they won't do it. They will not get outbid from a prospect perspective with any of these teams. They won't. They won't give up the necessary prospects. That's the same reason, and Zach, I appreciate the call. That's the reason that the Red Sox last year got Kyle Schwarber. Because Kyle Schwarber only cost them the 18th prospect in their organization, Aldo Ramirez, because he was hurt. If Kyle Schwarber wasn't hurt at the trading deadline last year, Kyle Schwarber is not a member of this team. Because all the teams that were contenders last year would have been in and Schwarber because he was the best bat that moved at the deadline. The problem was he was going to take three weeks to play. That's why he came at a cheap price. If Kyle Schwarber was healthy, he wouldn't have been a member of this team. Let's get to TC in a car. What's up, TC? What's up, buddy? Um,
8: So, you know, this guy, he just, you know, to to, to hold a job like that, you kind of have to have a feel for, like, uh, you know, like a team. You know what I mean? Like, he he just obviously has no clue. I almost wonder if, like, and I'm not saying, like, you have to be involved, like, you know, as to, in sports and be a part of a team or whatnot, but like you you have to kinda know like what a team needs, what you know and, and, and I don't I never really hear this brought up, but like, you know, wouldn't it be such a shot in the ass for that team if like, you know, do the right thing first and foremost is lock up devers, in my opinion, lock up Bogarts. But like if, if that ever was to happen, like imagine you woke up next week and then that and that happened. Like you just they just finally woke up, did the right thing, did you know lock those two guys up and yeah. then got something at the deadline. You know what I mean? Like that would be still be incredible. Well, and in TC, but they like, should, he, from he a PR no
3: perspective, it. it would behoove them. I mean, their PR is low right now. It would behoove them to do that. Yeah. But, but like, it's just like, he has no feel, just nothing, no clue. No, he, he has no at attachment to level. the players. He has no attachment to the players. Yeah. He doesn't understand the market. I'm with you on all that. And, like I think what ownership thought they were getting TC was the next Theo. He ain't that. <laughs> he, he ain't oh Theo. God. I mean, come on, man.
8: Shame on them too. <laughs> they they don't have a clue either. You know no. what I mean, it's just so it's just at such a high level to have people so clueless. Like, this is common sense stuff. You
3: know yeah. what I mean,
8: so I don't know. Keep up the good work, buddy. You do good. You do a good job.
3: All right, good stuff, TC. All right, let's get to David. David, before we go, what's up, man?
6: Hi, Brian. Hey. Oh, first of all, I last night I was just trying to be a little sarcastic. I guess I guess you didn't pick up on it when I was a, a joking around and all that stuff. But you know, somebody a little while ago said that, that 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 ownership should be upset that they let Dombrowski go. I wonder if it's the opposite. I wonder if they just if, if, if John Henry is just laughing his way to the bank every time every Friday when he makes a deposit. And like, uh, I mean, Dombrowski Probably, was, I was think... too good, and it was it, yeah, I
3: think there's something to that, David. I think that the ownership group right now looks at the Red Sox as part of their portfolio. It's making money, and I don't think they have the same hunger to win like they did in the past, where, yes, yeah. they were very yeah. aggressive. They wanted to win in 04. They wanted to break the curse. They wanted to do it again yeah. in 07. They wanted to win. They wanted to yeah. win again in 18. They go They go after J.D. Martinez. I don't think they have yeah. that same I mean, fire anymore. It's almost
6: like Henry is just telling us to shut up, you know, like the STFU. I don't want... Uh, 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 he's like, I'd your damn curse shut up and be happy And, and be grateful
3: Well, they're waiting uh, for you I mean, to come up from Florida And b- buy their beer
6: Yeah,
3: I know All right, hey, Have good, good stuff. night Good stuff, David Thanks for not eating on the air tonight I appreciate that It's a very frustrating place for the Red Sox to be in tomorrow Oh boy If Nathan Ivaldi does not pitch well Fire sale's coming, people I'm just telling you Fire sale's coming if Vivaldi doesn't pitch well tomorrow Rough night. Thanks to Ethan for producing. We'll be back with you tomorrow night after the Sox and the Guardians. Hopefully it's a better game. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be
0: well. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.